0: Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the Young Adult Ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. Fusion, hello! It's good to see you. Somebody remembers... Thank you, man. When when I talk, you got to respond. I'm about to move this up a little bit. Hold on. Boom. I need I need that right there. How you guys feeling? Man, welcome to everybody joining us online and in the building. Uh, I asked how you feeling. Not I'm not asking how your day went. That could be man, whatever. But man, we are here in the presence of God. Engaging with God. We have the opportunity to worship God. And so at some point here, you should be feeling good just in the presence of God. Amen. Amen. All right. So, man, I'm excited about uh, tonight. First and foremost, as I mentioned before, man, I'm just excited to be back in the building with you guys, and I'm excited to be streaming online so that you guys are able to join us online, even if you can't be in the building right now uh, because registration fills up quickly, uh, but it's nothing. there's nothing like being together, right? There is nothing like worshiping God together, and if you're online, you are worshiping God with us. We are doing this together, amen? All right, so speaking of being together... We're going to tackle some issues uh, in this series together. We've been talking about, we started last week, uh, there was a message called Searching in Skeletons. And the whole heart behind it was, man, we can be looking for good things in dead places. And we looked at the story of Samson, who's, uh, he lived a long time ago, and his, his story is in the book of Judges. And he had a tendency to just be in the wrong places, man, places he didn't need to be in. And we looked at a story of him coming across a dead body and eating some honey out of it. If, if you weren't here last week, you're probably like, what? Yeah. And we're going to dive back into that tonight. Um, and here's why. This message is really, 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 really important to me, because when I was sitting in your seats, attending Fusion, when I first came to Victory, and I was fresh out of the world, fresh out a while and now, looking for a new way to live my life uh, because the way that I was living it previously wasn't getting me the results that I wanted. When I was in that place, the message that I'm about to share with you tonight is ultimately what I needed, ultimately what God shared with me. And it's been the journey that I've been walking on the whole time in my Christian walk. And so uh, tonight we're going to talk about two things. The message is called Dead Places and Delilah. Dead Places and Delilah. Because these are two things, man, that you are going to encounter On your walk with God, as you're walking with Christ, he has a purpose for your life. He has an intended way for you to go. He has an intended destination for you. Do you believe that God has a plan for your life? Why do I always have to say, say it like you mean it? If I ask you a question, answer it like you mean it. Do you believe that God has a plan for your life? Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Somebody needed some encouragement. Maybe, maybe you were forgetting that God has a plan for your life, but God has a plan for your life. He's not out here winging it. You're not out here messing up, making mistakes, and God is like, hmm, what am I going to do now? They really messed all this stuff up. No, God has a plan for your life. God knows you. God knows you in and out. He knows every situation you're running into. He knows every person that you come in contact with. He knows everything that gets on your nerves, everything that doesn't. He knows what you like and what you don't like. And a lot of that is how he wired you. He had an intended purpose for you and he still has an intended purpose for you. But there are some things you're gonna come across on your journey that are gonna challenge that purpose that he has for your life. And we're gonna talk about these two areas tonight. For me, as we're gonna dive into this dead places thing, but I I wanna share a little bit about myself because there was one particular area of my life, and this may not be the area for you, but it may be. I believe that it's the area for a lot of us, uh, but for me in particular, this one particular area of my life was the, was the biggest challenge, and it was sexual purity. And then you might be like, sexual what? Sexual purity. What that means is only, only, only Engaging in sexual activity within the confines of the context God intended, which is marriage between a man and a woman. So the only time that it is appropriate to engage in sexual activity is after you are married and with your spouse. I knew this. And as I was committing to walking with Christ, this was the one area that I could not even like imagine. How God would transform me in, because I had been in relationships, I had been in situationships. Say that again. Thank you, baby. See, my wife, she she knows. I appreciate you, baby. She says, "Say that again." I had been in situationships. It was much more situationships than a relationship. I now know what a relationship is, but I didn't back then, and. I remember clear as day, I was driving in the car with one of my friends, and I was driving. He was in the passenger seat. We were, like, coming up on a red light. I remember the conversation, like, so vividly. I just remember saying, man, I am excited to be changing the direction of my life. Like, I've found this church victory. Man, and God is just waking things up inside of me. I'm just trying to be, like, at the church as many days out of the week as I could possibly be there. Uh, because there's nothing else for me out here. However, like there's this, I'm down for this purity piece, right? I just don't know what it looks like. Like I can't picture what it looks like. I've never been in a relationship that was pure. I've never been in a relationship that didn't have this sexual activity in it as the foundation Not just as a piece, but as the foundation, because that's what the world teaches you to do. And I knew better before embarking on that journey down the wrong path. But I did it anyway. I don't know if any of you guys have known the right thing to do and done the wrong thing anyway. Okay, somebody's keeping it real. I appreciate that. Uh, But yeah, man, this was like the one area that I was like. I'm down because I do want a wife. I just don't know how to date somebody the right way. Okay. Yeah, you can clap. You was like, and then everybody was like, and you were like, oh, (laughs) nah, I'm with you. Online, somebody's clapping. That was, that was the real. I didn't know how to date the right way because all I knew was dead places. I didn't know what a relationship looked like in the light. I didn't know what a relationship looked like with the life of God on it, the blessing of God on it. All I knew was like trying to hide from God, engaging in my relationships and like, nah, don't let's not talk about that right now. I was that person who like knew, as you guys can see, clearly I had a calling on my life. (laughs) So clearly, like God was drawing me. And so I was like in that space. I wasn't the fake it type. I wasn't the like, yo, let's go to church type. I was not in church. Don't talk to me about God right now. That's going to convict me. Don't let's not talk about Jesus. No. And man, when I, I finally got to a place where I was like, you know what? This is not working. Everything that is offered to me by the world, it just doesn't give me the return that I expected, man. I'm full of shame, guilt. Now, some of us have just numbed ourselves so much to where we don't even feel any shame or guilt. But it's inevitable, man, when you're sinning. And especially when you hear a message like this, and especially when you get in the presence of God, man, there is something that happens. We see in the Bible when people get in the presence of God, they all of a sudden see how unclean they are. When when Peter encounters Jesus and and Jesus does this miracle where he fills up the fishing net, they get a catch that's breaking the net and pulling down the boats. And the first thing that Peter says is, oh, get away from me. I'm unclean. I'm not worthy. I just realize who I'm in front of. Something happens in the presence of God that shows us how unclean we are. What I love about God, though, is he knows that. And his 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 whole plan, his whole mission is to redeem us and to restore us and to cleanse us and to take that away from us. And, man, I'm so glad that I got to a point in my life where I'm actually able to do this because that was in my way. I could have never been here doing what I'm called to do here. I could have never been here preaching the gospel to you. I could have never been here testifying about the faithfulness of God if I was still stuck in a dead place. Amen. Amen. So, man, I am grateful to God. And I just want to pray before we before we dive into this, because I believe that God wants to break some chains in your life. I believe that God wants to change your perspective on some things tonight. I believe that God wants to get you free from some things you don't even know have you bound because we go into sin thinking that we're getting an escape and we're actually stepping into a prison. We're out here running towards sin, thinking it's an escape from the prison that we're in. And we're actually just stepping into a deeper prison. We view the boundaries of God as a cage when really they're just they're just cones around some things that you don't need to go by. And what he's trying to do is keep destruction bound, not you. He's trying to keep the plan of the enemy in that space, not keep you bound. Amen. God has freedom for you. His way is the only way. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. There is no way. Jesus says no man comes to the father except through me. And the the intent for every human being is to have a relationship with the father. He created you. And everything that he has for you is good. Everything he doesn't have for you is not good for you. Amen? Amen. All right, so man, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Lord, we invite you into this time. We invite you into our hearts. We invite you into our minds to open our eyes. Lord, help us to understand your truth. Help us to comprehend your light. Lord, help us to not crave the darkness. Lord, but I pray for a shift in our desires tonight because you said That it is God who is working in us to desire and giving us the power to obey. And so, Lord, I thank you for your spirit tonight that's working in us, giving us the desire and the power to obey you. Lord, no matter how difficult the journey seems, no matter how challenging the challenge is, Lord, we know that you give us the power to walk in the way that leads to life and you give us a path away from the place of death. Lord, so you said that the, the road that leads to life is narrow and few find it. I, I pray for every person in here to walk the narrow road, to find the narrow road. If they're hearing this message, if they're hearing the gospel, they have found the narrow road. I pray for each and every person to walk down the narrow road. Lord, help us to do that. Open our eyes. Help us to lean into what you're wanting to do and to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So as I mentioned, man, I wouldn't be able to do this right here if I was still stuck in that place. I wouldn't have my amazing, godly, beautiful wife sitting on the front row if I was still stuck in that place. She was all the way in Arizona. I had no idea. But if my life was still in a dead place, there would be no space for her a good thing. <laughs> she said, sure wouldn't. You're right. Man, and I want I want you to know, man, that, that there are some things hanging in the balance for you. And I wonder, I wonder what's hanging in the balance for you. I wonder what God is wanting to bring you through, what God is wanting to bring you to that the enemy is trying to distract you from. Ask, ask yourself that question. And Man, I would encourage you to ask God that question. And man, he may not give super specifics, but he will give you a vision. Because in order to navigate past temptations, there has to be something we're moving towards, not just something we're moving away from. And so the temptation is to go into sin. The temptation is to listen to the lies that say, man, have what you want right now. That's the temptation. But if God tells you to wait, that means there's something that he's wanting to bring to you or there's something he's wanting to bring you to. But there was some development that needed to take place for me. And so in the waiting time, I always had a choice of things that I could go to or I could stay in the right path. And I knew that I was in a waiting time And the thing that helped to keep me now, I'm not perfect. I've never been perfect, but God is faithful. And the thing that's kept me on the right path is me knowing that what God has for me is good. Way before I ever knew that I would be a fusion pastor, I was sitting in the fusion crowd. Never would have imagined I would be the pastor here ever. Do you believe that ever I couldn't see. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any connections. I didn't have this deep resume. I didn't. And so this right here is not what I was looking towards. What I was looking towards was Jesus knowing that whatever he has for me is going to be good for me. And I believe that Jesus has something good for you, each and every person. Man, he created you with a destination in mind and that destination is good and it's no less good than anybody else. So I wonder what's hanging in the balance for you for Samson, man, there was so much purpose hanging in the balance for him, but he was always in the wrong places. He was always doing the wrong thing. And ultimately that behavior led to his destruction. And God was able to use him, but not in the way that I would want to be used. It was after he had given up everything and allowed himself to be destroyed and shackled. That's not what God has for you. God has a path of freedom for you. And so we're going to dive back into this just so we're all caught up in Judges 14, 5 through 9. says, Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman and he liked her. Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass and in it he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped out the honey with his hands and ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some and they too ate it. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. So Samson was a Nazarite. We discussed this last week. There was a vow that he had taken from I mean, from birth, he was separated to the Lord. And one of the things that he was not supposed to do was go near dead bodies in the same way. God has set you apart to himself. He separated you. He wants you to himself. And there are some things that you're not supposed to go around. There are some dead places that you're not supposed to go near because there's nothing good for you there. Even if it looks good, tastes good. Because even though Samson got honey and clearly it tasted good because he was eating it and he shared it with others, but he didn't tell them where he got it from. Even though it tasted good, looked good, that behavior ultimately led to his destruction. This was just a foreshadow. Samson going in the wrong places, doing the wrong things was a foreshadow of something he would continue to do. He didn't learn his lesson then. Why? Because he didn't experience immediate consequences. Just like some of you, you're like, oh, sexual purity. What? Why? Why why not do what I want to do? Why? Because you're not experiencing immediate consequences. You don't understand the setup that's happening. God doesn't tell you to stay away from anything that's good for you, that's going to work out for you in the long run. But in the short term, it can be very beneficial. That's how I got stuck in the cycle. Because it didn't, there didn't seem to be immediate issues. Now, in the long term, I'm trying to unlearn all types of stuff. Can I be real? The more you go down the wrong path, the more you train yourself in the wrong way. And then when you're trying to go down the right path, it doesn't just immediately disappear. And so you train your expectations in a certain way and then on the right path those expectations don't fit is anybody following me so with Samson he was going places that he wasn't supposed to go doing things he wasn't supposed to do and not experiencing immediate consequences he's like I guess this isn't that bad I know God told me I'm not supposed to go near dead bodies but I just got some honey out of there the honey's good I'm still strong I'm still living good. I'm about to go get my wife. Not, I'm not having any issues. Why not continue? In fact, we see two chapters over before we get to Delilah. It says in Judges 16, 1, this is after Samson gets a wife and then the p- parents give his wife away to somebody else. And then he comes back and burns down a bunch of their vineyards. It's a bunch of drama. Go read it in Judges 14 and 15. <laughs> Judges 16.1, it says one day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. Wow. He hasn't learned his lesson. First it was the dead body. Now it's the prostitute. Sin just keeps pulling you in deeper and deeper, further and further. I've heard it said this way, man, sin makes you go further than you ever wanted to go and pay more than you ever intended to pay. It starts out so light. We love each other. Really? What's love? You don't know. Bible says God is love. So I'd imagine his word, what he says love is, is what love is. And so, if you're sinning, that can't be love. If you can't invite God into it, it can't be love. (laughs) Say what Montel says if you can't say amen, say ouch. (laughs) It's not love. You have access to God. God is love. You have all the love you will ever need in your access to God. I know some of you, it's hard to believe that. It's hard to imagine that in the same way that it was hard for me to imagine it. But I'm a living testimony that God really will meet every need that you have and be more fulfilling than you could ever imagine. And you get to a point, man, as you start walking in relationship with God, you start seeing, I don't want to get away from this. And that's ultimately what was hanging in the balance for me. Every time I was pursuing the wrong thing, I was not pursuing the right thing, which is what would ultimately bring me fulfillment. And so every time I was pursuing my own cravings and desires and lust and rejecting God, I was stepping away from the very thing that was going to fulfill me. And obviously I'm not like, you know, doing both at the same time. Like how deep can you get into a relationship with God while you're like actively, willingly sinning against him. First John says, if you think you're without sin, you're deceived. Like, if you think that you're, in other words, he's talking about when you're outside of God. And so if you feel like you can sin and be in relationship with God, like sin intentionally, And like as your lifestyle and as a practice and be in relationship with God, you're deceived because you can't like imagine me like right in front of my wife's face, just like cheating, disrespecting her, like all these things. And then saying we have like an amazing relationship and expecting our relationship to flourish Like as I'm like committing adultery in her face. That's what it's like when you're saying you're walking with God and just blatantly disobeying him. Samson was living this way, called by God, empowered by God, gifted by God, but living a lifestyle of habitual sin, consistently going in places where he didn't need to be, and it ultimately led to his destruction. And so, like I said, we're going to talk about two, two different places, two different challenges tonight. It's called dead places in Delilah. And I'd, I'd foreshadow it this way. I'd say dead places represent the sin that you find. So it's what you come across, like the, the lion carcass on the road. He came across it. Dead places represent the sin that you find. And Delilah represents the sin that finds you. guys interested? All right. So dead places. I want to define dead place. All right. A dead place is any behavior, habit, person, or thing that offers you an alternative to God's plan for your fulfillment. It's any behavior, habit, person, or thing that offers you an alternative to God's plan for your fulfillment. Why it's dead is because it can never follow through on the offer. An alternative to God is not an alternative. God is perfect. The alternative to perfection is imperfection. So he has perfect fulfillment for you. The alternative to that is a lack thereof. So it's a dead place. It can't offer you life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life. That's why he came, not to hold you back from good things, not to hold you back from great things, but to hold you back from things that are trying to kill you and get you to great things. So as I mentioned before, one of the dead places in my life was in the area of sexual impurity, I'll say, but also partying, drunkenness which ultimately led to sexual impurity but just a lifestyle of first and foremost getting drunk first to make bad decisions anybody want to be real that that's why you get drunk to help yourself make poor decisions thank you somebody in the back is being real yeah you're not you're not doing it to get closer to God you're not like, hey, let's grab a bottle so that we can pray. <laughs> if you are, you have things a little backwards. You really need to be here. <laughs> but in fact, you're doing that to help yourself make bad decisions, to lower your inhibitions. That's the purpose of it. But in our culture, that's just normal. Let's create entire venues where people can come in, pay to lower their inhibitions, and we encourage them to make poor decisions with one another. It's called a club. I don't know if any of you guys have ever been there. I was in plenty of them. Making poor decisions, not being fulfilled. My prayer for you is that you don't have to Stay in a dead place long enough to find out that it's dead. You'll believe that it's dead when you see it because it's dead. And especially when you're walking with God, you'll be able to spot the things that are dead because in God is life. And so outside of him, anything is dead and it can't offer you fulfillment. And you start realizing this the more you're walking with God. But if you're still like on the outside. Still outside looking in, it's hard for you to understand it because it's hard for you to understand what kind of fulfillment God can really bring you. But he actually is the only one that can fulfill you. Do you believe that the person who created you might know a few things about how to fulfill you? And in fact, dead places never satisfy need you to write that down and remind yourself of that. Dead places never satisfy, ever. They never satisfy. Dead places never satisfy. And in fact, uh, outside of, I mean, partying, drunkenness, sex, also greed, materialism, all these things, man. We can can search for fulfillment in those places, in, in greed and just heaping up things, right? But... Has anybody I mean, we've talked about this before. Have any of you gotten to the point where, I mean, you just have enough stuff and you'll never want another thing again? No, right, because things don't satisfy you and eventually you're going to want something else. You get something new and then like two weeks later, you're like, all right, I want something newer. That's just the nature of physical things and and the temporary things. And that's why God calls us to a higher perspective, an eternal perspective. It's why Jesus went to the extreme and said, don't even store things up for yourself here because it's all temporary. It's going to get destroyed. Moths eat your clothes. Fire burns stuff up. Rust destroys things. But in heaven, none of that happens. So you might as well just go ahead and start investing there. That's Jesus's perspective. Knowing what, what God has reserved for us in heaven. But those are dead places. In fact, uh, speaking of dead places, I was reading in Proverbs 30 and uh, verses 15 through 16. It says, the leech has two daughters. Now, this is, this is kind of poetic, but I'll explain it. The leech has two daughters. Give, give, they cry. There are three things that are never satisfied. Four that never say enough. The grave The barren womb, land, which is never satisfied with water and fire, which never says enough. And where I'm going here is that there are things in this life that God wants us to stay away from. And dead places that he wants us to stay away from because they'll never satisfy us and they are never satisfied. Sin is never satisfied. He's saying it's like a leech that just keeps sucking blood, sucking blood, sucking blood, and it's never satisfied. In fact, uh, the grave you know, the, the, the grave is never satisfied. People are continually dying. Saying the death is just never satisfied. It's always taking more and more and more and more. The barren womb, no matter how much is sent to it, it will not produce and it's never satisfied. It kills everything that it receives. Land, which is never satisfied with water. It just keeps drinking the rain and fire, which never says enough. We see that taking place in California right now. But God... Oh, man, God is the alternative. God is the alternative to all of these things. In fact, he's the alternative to the grave because he said enough to the grave. And he came to offer us life and life more abundantly and to resurrect us so that we never have to experience the shame of the grave. It says he took away the sting of the grave. He undoes that. We see all throughout scripture that he, oh man, he, he changes the course of barren wombs. There would be no Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There would be no Isaac. If God couldn't change a barren womb to a fertile womb, there would be no Samuel who anointed David as King. If God couldn't change a barren womb, there's nothing too difficult for God land. That's never satisfied by water. well, God flooded the whole earth, so clearly he can overpower that. And he's a consuming fire. He's a consuming fire. That's what scripture says. Our God is a consuming fire. He's never satisfied. With us, in terms of, in the sense, I mean, that, man, he never gets enough of us. Man, if he has 90% of us in this room, he wants 100%. If he has 99 of us, he wants that one more. If he has 99% of your heart, he wants that 1%. If he has none of your heart, he still wants the whole thing. But so do these dead places that we encounter. Because getting drunk, for some of you guys, it's drugs. It's a dead place. It never really fulfills you, but it's offering you an alternative to God's fulfillment, God's plan for your fulfillment. Some of you guys are looking for peace and relief from anxiety and drugs. Now, I'm not saying, hey, we're not going to get into a whole discussion about whether you should take the drugs prescribed by your doctor. That's that's not so much what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about recreational. Because I don't think many of your doctors are prescribing you weed. But, man, some of you guys are going there looking for peace, looking for relief from anxiety. When Jesus says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, with thanksgiving, by prayer and petition, make your request known to God. And the peace that transcends understanding will guard your heart and guard your mind. In Christ Jesus, why would you need to smoke? Is that bringing you closer to God? Do you, do you, now I know you might feel closer to God when you're high. (laughs) I don't think he feels the same way. And in my, in my, you know, short life span, but I've had a decent extent of young adult life, right? Um, I haven't seen it work out too well for people. I haven't seen people... Grow closer to God the higher they get. In fact, it's further and further and further. Y'all still with me? Online, I hope you guys are still with me. I hope you didn't close the browser out. <laughs> but it's real because it's a dead place. That's why scripture tells us to be alert and of sober mind. Because your enemy, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and he would love to offer you something that would distract you and get you so high that you can't even see him coming and you don't realize that you're fellowshipping with him and that these enlightened thoughts that you think you're having are really him just ministering to you but your mind is wide open to it because you're inebriated. Can we be real? I wonder what's hanging in the balance for you. because we can get into these discussions about, Oh, it's not bad. Cool. I wonder what's hanging in the balance for you. Are you willing to bet your life on this for Samson? It's like, man, you know, this is this dead body. God told me not to go near it, but I mean, the honey tastes good. What's the problem? Well, we'll see that as we go throughout the story, but I want to talk about some potential dead places um, outside of what we've already discussed. Number one, dead place. Romantic partners and friends who are not following Jesus will lead you to destruction. Leave that up for a second, please. Write that down. Take a picture of it. Romantic partners and friends who are not following Jesus will lead you to destruction. Jesus says that there are two paths. He says, one, the path that leads to destruction is wide. And many find it. He says the path that leads to life is narrow and few find it. Not because it's not available. I mean, when he says few find it, it's not like you haven't heard about it. He says, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Oh, everybody should hear about the narrow path, but few actually walk up to it and walk down it is what he's saying. He says, many are called, but few are chosen. Well, how do you choose somebody who doesn't answer? So everybody's called, but few are answering. And he's, he's choosing everyone who's answering. But romantic partners and friends who are not following Jesus will lead you to destruction. And for me, that was one of the biggest challenges. That's why, like, as soon as I got real about Jesus, I had to stop hanging out with a lot of people. And at that time, I was just at the church like as many days out of the week as I could be like, okay, y'all got Saturday service and Sunday service. Bet y'all have fusion. Fusion was on Wednesdays back then. I was like, oh, bet fusion on Wednesdays. Y'all got any classes I could take? What's up? And they did. We do have a bunch of classes here at the church, just so you know. Go on the Victory ATL website. There's all types of classes, classes about finances, uh, classes about marriage, all types of classes here at the church. I would encourage you to try some, especially if you need to spend some time doing something constructive, because that's what I needed. Because I knew if I was around the wrong people, I was going to be led to destruction because it's a lot easier to get pulled down than it is to pull somebody up. And that's just science. Like, I mean, if I'm standing on a chair right here, it's easier for somebody to just yank me down than it is for me to lift them up. And that's what some of you guys' friends look like right now. That's what some of your relationships look like right now. One of you standing on a chair trying to lift them up and they're just yanking you down. Or maybe you're the person yanking people down. I've been that. So this isn't a judgment against you. This is just making you aware of some room for improvement because I've been that person encouraging people to do the wrong thing but man, it's so much easier to sin when you got partners when you got a team I mean, is it true? okay Have you found that it's easier for you to sin when you got a whole team to roll with you? In the same way, man, when you have a team of people who are going after Jesus, it's way easier to stay on track. But, man, these are things that I had to navigate. I mean, in the dating world out here, my goodness. Challenging. I, I learned a lot. I learned who to not talk to. You know, we talk about missionary dating. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. That's like dating like a mission trip. Like I'm gonna date this person and try to get them saved. <laughs> I'm going to go out on this date like I'm going like to Africa on a mission trip. Y'all sign up in the GoFundMe. I'm about to go save this person and marry him. It doesn't work out very well for the most part. Um, In fact, it'll waste a lot of your time. I've spent months talking to people who are like, you know what? I am kind of getting interested in the Lord. I do have a Bible here. I might open it up at some point. (laughs) But in the meantime, we're just having conversations, wasting time. And so I learned, like, you know what? I've realized that if we're not on the same page from the jump, it's probably not going to work out very well. And then it helped me to see very clearly when I met Gabrielle because she was like for real about the Lord. Like I remember specifically one time you remember how I told you that first conversation that I had. I remembered it very clearly. I remember this one time I was sitting on my bed uh, and I had called her and then she was like, hey, I just got home. I'm about to read my word. I'm going to have to call you back. I was like, oh, you read the Bible for real, for real. Like you don't just have like a scripture in your bio. Like you actually read. That's hard to find. I want to say it in this room, man. I, I hope that I hope that's not hard to find in your life. Because I found In the dating pool, actually going after Jesus, the pickings are slim. (laughs) But man, there are so many of us in here who are we're hanging in that balance and you think it's benefiting you when it's not. In fact, like the good that God has for you, he can't even bring to you because you're a toxic environment. Because you're so mixed with sin and some Jesus and some sin and some Jesus. And it's a toxic environment. Why would he bring something healthy into that? Can I be real? (laughs) I was a toxic environment at one point. I needed some cleansing. As soon as I came to Jesus, that didn't mean like all my thought patterns were correct. And I did some slipping. I did some backsliding. I did some messing up. It was a process, man, but I committed to the process, and God's faithful to see it through. He says that he who began a good work in you is faithful to see it through to completion. He'll wash you clean if you stay committed. But, man, if you get content in sin, that's going to be a problem in your life. Second dead place, pornography. He's like, yeah, um, and, and, and this, is, this is the reason why. It's because pornography can only exist where God's purpose for people is completely abandoned. And you're like, huh? It's because it can only exist when people are demeaned, which means that the, the dignity and respect is taken from them. They're devalued and degraded. That's In order to engage with pornography, you have to start adopting that mindset that you can't actually view this as like real people who God has a plan for their lives because then that makes it weird. Like, I, I, I can't view this as like, Like, this should be somebody's wife, and this should be somebody's husband, like, and God has purpose for them. Like, I can't engage with it with that mindset. And so it's dead because God is nowhere in that because God has a plan and a purpose for everyone. God values everyone. God values you, and he values each and every person. And at the heart of pornography is just objectification. People just become objects for your pleasure instead of people who were created to please God. The people participating in pornography were created to please God, not please you through what they're doing but you have to adopt a perverted mindset and you have to like just objectify them in order to engage with it and it's a dead place and it will never satisfy. Anybody who's engaged with it can tell you it'll never satisfy. Like you're never like, I'm good for life now. No. It's this cycle of like, shame and embarrassment and then you go back to it and then it's just like it never satisfies and it promises like this great pleasure and then it's not there it's a dead place that'll never satisfy and that's why God doesn't have it for you um the third thing that I really felt called to to speak about um that might seem a little left field is uh, another dead place is causes and movements that do not align with the word of God Some people clap. Some people are like, who are you talking about, though? (laughs) I'm talking about any cause or movement that does not align with the word of God. And so if you can't read your Bible and align the principles of this movement, of this cause, of this organization, of this church, of whatever it is you're about to be a part of. If you cannot align it with the will of God, it's a dead place. It's going nowhere. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 12, 30, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. So there is no, oh, they're doing a good thing, even though they're not expanding the kingdom of God. Because Jesus says, no, nah, if they're not with me, they're against me. And they're actually doing something that is against what I'm doing. And the people I'm trying to gather, they're actually scattering, no matter how good their intentions seem to you. And that's a dead place for you. Because God's plan for you is within his kingdom and his kingdom is eternal. And so if this is not going to echo into eternity in a positive way, if God is not going to be commending you for for this, for eternity, if there are not eternal rewards on the back end of this right here, you might want to reconsider. If it's just to, to help you right now in your flesh and it's not aligned with the word of God, It's a problem, but if it is aligned with the word of God, join up. Amen? (laughs) Dead places never satisfy. Second place that I wanted to talk about is uh, Delilah. We talked about dead places and we talked about, uh, I said that I would talk about Delilah. So here's, here's the thing. I mentioned before, dead places are the the sin that you find. Delilah is the sin that finds you. And some of you guys don't realize that there are demons. There are demonic spirits that have an agenda that they're committed to, and they want to enact their agenda in your life. And they would love to send somebody to push you toward their agenda and you not even realize it. And so I want to talk about what Delilah can look like back in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs seven, six through 27 says, while I was at the window of my house, looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young men and one in particular who lacked common sense. Now, before we go any further, I want you to understand That Proverbs is written from a father to his sons, but it is not only a male-female thing, right? This is actually a letter. These are letters written from a father to his sons, not to his daughters, or else it may say, I saw naive women and a man that was trying to tempt them. So I don't want us to get in this perspective where it's like only the women are provocative And trying to tempt and only the men are possibly falling into that trap because it's not true. Amen. I saw some naive young men and one in particular who lacked common sense. He was crossing the street near the house of an of an immoral woman strolling down the path by her house. He was in the wrong place. It was at twilight in the evening as deep darkness fell. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. The woman approached him. Seductively dressed and sly of heart. She was the brash, rebellious type, never content to stay at home. Somebody say she was for the streets. In fact, it often it actually says she is often in the streets. The women can say he was for the streets. She is often in the streets and markets soliciting at every corner. She threw her arms around him and kissed him. And with a brazen look, she said, I've just made my peace offerings and fulfilled my vows. I just got married. You're the one I was looking for. I came out to find you. I was looking for you. And here you are. My bed is spread with beautiful blankets with colored sheets of Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes and cinnamon. Come, let's drink of our fi- let's drink our fill of love until morning. Let's enjoy each other's caresses for my husband is not home. This is the Bible telling guys like I see what's going on. I'm not asleep. He's away on a long trip. He has taken a wallet full of money with him and won't return until later this month. So she seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. He followed her at once like an ox going to the slaughter. He didn't realize the end result, even no matter how tempting it was at that moment. He was like a stag caught in a trap, awaiting the arrow that would pierce its heart. He was just like waiting there, about to get killed. He was like a bird flying. This person is like, I mean, I mean, he was like an ox going to the slaughter. I mean, I mean, he was like a stag caught in a snare waiting on the arrow. I mean, he was like a bird about to fly into a trap. Like, he looked crazy. He looked dumb. He couldn't see what was coming. How could he not see what was coming? How did this look appealing to him? I'm just looking from the window like, boy, what are you doing? That's the Vance translation. So listen to me, my sons, and pay attention to my words. Oh, because before that, he says, little knowing it would cost him his life. So listen to me, my sons, and pay attention to my words. Don't let your heart stray toward her. Don't wander down her wayward path, for she has been the ruin of many. Many men have been her victims. Her house is the road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. Now we're about to look at Delilah and then we'll tie it together. It says in Judges sixteen four through six, sometime later, this is after the prostitute, right? Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be subdued. So here's what's happening. Delilah is like that woman in Proverbs 7, right? Out here looking for Samson. Little does he know she was sent by somebody, though. In fact, there are spirits pursuing you, looking to seduce you into forfeiting your strength and your purpose. Somebody needs to grasp this, because sometimes them texts are are inspired by something more. Sometimes there's a demonic agenda behind it. Ladies, there are demonic spirits pursuing you through men who look good, smell good, talk good, sound good. But the agenda behind it is to get you to forfeit your purpose. As I mentioned before, had I still been in that place, I would never be on this stage. That's what the enemy saw. I would never be delivering this message. How could I if I never found victory? Men, there are demonic spirits pursuing you through ladies who look good, smell good, talk good. Have all the right things to say. Except for having their lives aligned with the Word of God. And there's an agenda behind it. Sometimes we forget about this. The Bible tells us we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with demonic spirits. So you're at war, whether you realize it or not, whether you're engaging in it or not, you're at war. And there's a war taking place against you. Samson was chilling. He was laying his head in Delilah's lap. Kicking it. She kept asking him, tell me the secret to your strength. We won't go all the way into there tonight. But man, tell me the secret of your strength. And he's like, oh, well, it's this. joking around until he wasn't joking. Until he actually told her. He was chilling, but there was an agenda. She was trying to get paid. She had no interest in him. There was an agenda behind all of her actions, and it looked like love to him. There's an agenda behind the sin that you're tempted with, and it can look like love. It can look like a good thing. It can look like prosperity. But there's an agenda to get you to forfeit where God actually wants to take you and to get you to never go there. Why are they doing this? Well, in fact, Jesus disarmed the demonic realm, but they're always trying to regain their power and authority through seducing you into sin. Why? Because in Colossians 2, it says he forgave us all our sins, having canceled The charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed. Somebody say disarmed Disarmed. the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So what happened is Jesus disarmed the plan of the enemy. Yeah, you can clap for it. Jesus disarmed the plan of the enemy. He disarmed every demonic power, every demonic spirit. He gave them nothing against you when He forgave you and canceled your debt of sin. So, what are they trying to do? They're trying to get you to go back. Go back into your sin. Build up some debt against you so we can have authority in your life. Invite some sin into your life. Open that browser. Invite that person over, crack open that bottle, lower your inhibitions, roll it up, lower your inhibitions, make some poor decisions so that we can get back in your life because we miss being here. And we want to keep ruining stuff in your life. So we're going to promise you that things are going to be way better if you just don't follow this Jesus thing. Oh, because, you know, he doesn't really love you. He doesn't approve of you. He's trying to hold you back. He said he was going to do this for you. Has that happened yet? Yeah, come over here and sin real quick. So we can get in your life. Somebody needs to know this. Because it's happening to you in real time. Each and every day. They're trying to get real estate back in your life. But Jesus has disarmed them. And you never have to do that. And so the goal for them the goal is your destruction and the method is seduction. Just remember that. Whenever whenever you're getting enticed, in fact, the definition of entice is attract or tempt by offering pleasure or advantage. Remember, it's a lie. It's a lie. In fact, this is how it worked out for Samson. It says in Judges sixteen sixteen, with such nagging, she prided him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. She wanted the secret of his strength. Samson, how are you so strong? Why can't anybody defeat you? He says, no razor has ever been used on my head because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. He gave her to her right there, gave it away. God gave him supernatural strength. Just told him, never shave your head. That is not a bad deal. Just keep your hair long and nobody will ever be able to physically overpower you. But what happens, the people who want to physically overpower him, seduce him through somebody to forfeit it in the same way God has given you supernatural strength, supernatural power where the forces of darkness can never overpower. You can never take you out of his hand. Nobody can ever stop you from your purpose unless you give it over to them. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines come back once more he has told me everything so the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands after putting him to sleep on her lap she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so be- and so began to subdue him and his strength left him then she called Samson the Philistines are upon you He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. I'm still good. I still have my strength. Even though I dabbled in this sin, even though I told her everything, even though I gave everything up that God told me not to give up, even though I gave up the power that he gave me, even though I stepped away from him and I've completely abandoned him, I'll still be good just as before, right? But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistine seized him, gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in the prison. So here's where we're going to close. There's something hanging in the balance for each and every one of you. And there are things that you're going to encounter in your walk and in your journey. And Jesus said in Luke 10:19, behold, I have given you a authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Those are demonic powers. And I've given you power over all the power of the enemy. I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. But you're going to have to make a choice when you see dead things along your journey that are tempting for you to go up to and consume from. It's tempting for you to go back into those dead places Or you come across somebody or somebody comes across you that looks good, smells good, sounds good, but something's not right. There's a check in your spirit that you want to deny and you want to act like it's not there. You have a choice. You can either lay your head in their lap and allow them to take everything that God has for you. Or you can say, you know what, I'm going to stay on the path of life. I'm going to link arms with Jesus and I'm not going to let go. I'm going to get the good things that he has for me. I'm going to live out the plan that he has for my life. Uh, What's hanging in the balance for me, I want it because it's good. God has a good plan for my life and I'm going to take authority over this. Jesus says he's given me authority so that I can speak against these things, these dead places, I can just avoid them. The dead places you can just stay away from. The relationships that don't benefit you, you can stay away from them. The pornography, you can stay away from it. And maybe you need to go through counseling. Maybe you need some guidance. Maybe you need to deal with some prior hurts and traumas and all those things. And that's okay. And you can get help and wisdom for how to to stay away from these things. The drugs, the alcohol, the things that are trying to numb you to where you're not even receptive to God, you can stay away from those things the movements that are trying to draw you in and draw you away from the kingdom of God, you can stay away from those things. But Delilah, Delilah, you got to cast out. Delilah, you got to say no to. Delilah, you have to reject. Delilah, you have to renounce. The agenda behind it, you have to renounce. The agenda behind it, you have to recognize. I want you to stand to your feet. If you're watching online, I encourage you to stand up. Because this is the posture that we have to take. We have to walk in authority. We don't sit down. We don't lie our heads in the enemy's lap. We don't give everything over to him. We take a stand. Somebody say, I'm taking a stand. We take a stand. We can walk in authority. There's power in the name of Jesus. He's our champion. He's defeated everything that could ever try to come against us. He's defeated the lies in your life. He's defeated the temptation in your life. He's defeated the enemy's plot and plan to take your strength, to forfeit your purpose. He still has your purpose for you. I promise you, if you are still alive, there's still purpose for you. Even Samson was able to be used, but his eyes were gone. He was shackled and he ultimately went out. He destroyed Philistines, but he died in the midst of it. That's not... That's not what God has for you. God has a triumphant plan for you, for you to triumph over the enemy. And so last week, a lot of us, we wrote down certain dead places that we need to stay away from. We dropped them at the foot of the cross. And so if you're, if you're in here, maybe you were here last week, and maybe you're still thinking about that thing that you're staying away from. Maybe you've been battling with it and struggling with it. I want to encourage you to take a stand man, maybe, maybe you weren't here and you need to evaluate the dead places that you're tempted to walk up to. And all of you, each and every one of you are in a war in the spiritual realm. I guarantee it to you. And I, and I want to teach you something. Leave in the name of Jesus. That's what you tell to demonic spirits. When you're being tempted, when you feel, when you feel in, impure, perverted thoughts coming up and you're like where's this coming from spirit of lust I command you to leave in the name of Jesus because he's given me authority to tread on you when you're getting tormented in your sleep you wake up the blood of Jesus is against you I've given have been given authority by the blood that Jesus shed on the cross where he made a mockery of you I rebuke you and I cast you out you don't have conversations you you command Leave in the name of Jesus. And you don't even beg God to make them leave because Jesus said, I gave you authority in my name, in the name of Jesus. And so we're going to take a moment to worship and we're going to sing this song. And man, some of you guys need to make a commitment to take a stand today. Some of you guys need to renounce some things and rebuke some things. And I believe there's freedom available for you. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you for this message of authority, God, what it comes down to. Lord, you've given us authority to stay away from dead things and to cast out Delilah. Lord, I pray that you would help us to walk in that authority. Lord, that you would train us for war knowing that you've, you've already won. You have the victory, God. So we're gonna walk in that. We are going to be people of victory, God. Have your way in this time as we worship you, as we lay our lives down for you, as we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice for you, God use us lord i declare purpose over each and every person over each and every person god i thank you that you have a purpose for each and every person's life lord watching online here in the building you have purpose god and we don't have to forfeit it and if we stick with you nobody can take us away from it have your way in jesus name amen hey thank you for listening We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit FusionATL.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.